0: Today I'm going to be talking about temptation and identity temptation. What is identity identity temptation and, uh, you know, how does temptation work? And how can we resist temptation and walk in the victory that Jesus Christ has for us? Now, I would like to start out by first declaring our identity. What is our identity? You know, we have said so many times in Christian circles that we have our identity in Jesus. And uh, then we've started to quote things like, uh, I'm the head, I'm not the tail, I'm above, um, I'm not beneath. And what we've done is we have basically quoted the blessings of Deuteronomy 21 and we've actually had our identity in the prosperity promised in Deuteronomy uh, 28 um, I've just said 21. I think it's 28, uh, and we've actually had our identity in the promises instead of in Jesus, and we've just slapped in, you know, the name in the name of Jesus or in Christ onto that. And what we've done is we've had our identity in a combination of law and grace, where uh, we were under the Old Testament in a place where, know, especially if you look at the Jews and the Gentiles before. Uh, Christ died, uh, you know, we our whole identity was in what we could achieve in this world and our stand in this world and all those kind of things. And then we looked at the old and we looked at all the promises there was. And now in Christ, it's as if we our identity was in how God would fulfill promises in our lives. Our identity was in how God would affirm us in this world through uh fulfilling Deuteronomy 28 in our lives. Now let me explain it to you in a very simple way and I'm going to just use uh, examples, church examples which because that's what I, I'm used to, but th- this applies to any area of life. Uh, in church it is a big thing you know on uh, uh, our identity was in how God provides for us. How does God provide for you financially? How does God provide for you as pertaining to the growth of your church? How does God provide for you as pertaining to healing? And we would look at all those provisions. And when all those provisions would come, then our identity would be in that. And we would say, no, but in Christ we have all these things. Misleading our own hearts, finding our identity, uh, not in Christ, but in what Christ can bring us in this life. Now, theres it's a very fine line, but it is... When when we get it wrong, it destroys us. When we get it wrong, it destroys us. Uh, so I want to say this again. I remember in times, and I think uh, some of you that come out of Pentecostal charismatic circles, you know, we've had our identity in how many miracles happen in our church. When we lay hands upon the sick, how many people fall over under the power? How many people we reach in town? And our identity was basically in how God hears our prayers. Our identity was in how God gives us what we ask Him. Our identity was in breakthroughs. Uh, And that destroys the church. That doesn't have eternal life. God wants us to have eternal life. God wants us to have His quality of life. That's what He has come to do. And the devil has tempted us and cheated us to find to the point that we don't find our identity in Christ, but that we find our identity in what we believe Christ must bring us, which is uh, defined in how Christ brings the fulfillment of the law to our lives. In other words, on how Christ makes the promises of the Old Testament, or the promises of Abraham, we would call it, manifest in our lives. And that left the church in a place where there's still hierarchy. That left the door wide open for teachings uh, that will tell us on how to get breakthrough, Seven steps to this, this, ten steps to that. It left the door wide open to manipulation and control and um, brought devastation to our life. So I want to just talk about what true identity is. Maybe you haven't heard... Um, what, I'm, what I'm about to share with you, but I want you to, uh, my prayer is what Paul said. Father, I pray that their hearts might be strengthened with might in the inner man. That they may see, that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. That they may see the dimensions of the love of God. So my prayer to you right now is that your inner man will be strengthened to accept what is going to be said. Um we're going to look at, at the first slide there from uh, Acts chapter 17 verse 27. And let's read. It says, Acts 17 verse 27, That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from um, every one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, For we are also His offspring." For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the Godhead like unto gold or silver or stone, or graven by art and man's device. And the times and the um, and excuse me, verse there and the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men that he has raised him from the dead. And when they heard, the, heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear you again on this matter. Now, when we look at this passage it clearly defines our identity as uh, an immortal man in the equality of God or with the life of God. That is our identity. Our identity is not in how we can have our prayers answered. Uh, today. That is not where we find our identity, and we find it so easily in how does God answer my prayers today? How's it going with me today? When I pray, did I see something? You know, and our identities and that. But what Paul comes and what he's saying here, he comes and he clearly explains to people and he says to them, and he even quotes their own poets and what he says there he says for in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring so he says in him we live and move and have our being that is not quoted from the poets that is Paul's words and then he says this is exactly what your own poets your heathen poets have said and what your heathen poets have said is that they have said we are also His offspring. And then he goes on and he says, Since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like on gold and silver or stone or graven by art and man's device. So what he is saying here is, he is saying, listen guys, you cannot worship stones. You cannot worship golden images. You cannot worship all these other gods. Because, and then he uses their own reasoning, which was in line with the truth. He said, You say, we are the offspring of God. And if we are the offspring of God, then when we worship God, He has to be a man. Now let me say it again. (laughs) And this is what I want your heart to be strengthened. I want your heart to be strengthened. Paul comes and he says, listen guys you guys I, I walk through your devotions here and your temples and everything and what i 'm seeing is i'm seeing that you are very very religious or stu- superstitious and you've got all these images but I want to ask you a question if you guys say that we are in the image of God or that in Him we live and move and have our being, or we are the offspring of God. If we are not made of gold and stone and all of that, how can you worship a God that's made out of stone and all those kind of things? So what Paul was coming and what he's trying to say is, he says that let's move away from this thing of God is this image and let's see God as a man. Because since we are humans and we are the offspring of God, He has to be in human form. That is what He's talking about. We have to be like Him. And He, he knows where He's going with us. Because He's going with us to Jesus. And if we look um, at these passages, uh, 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 and I want Elena just to throw, uh, just put slide 3 on there again for me. It says, At the times of this ignorance, God winked. But now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by man. You will see that with that there is italicized, that means it was not um, in, in the original. That he will judge the world by man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all in that he has raised him from the dead. So, what he's is saying is this. He's saying that he, has, he will judge the world by a man. And this man will judge the world in his righteousness or in his goodness. And where in this judgment, this will be his judgment. His judgment will be that he will raise the dead. Now, you say, Matthew, that's not what it says there. It is exactly what it says. Let's read that verse again, verse 31. It says, Because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he raised from the dead, whereof he has given assurance unto all men. Look at that. It says there that he will judge the world by that or that in, in that man is ordained that Jesus will bring judgment to the whole world and and he has given assurance. So where is our assurance in? He in, has given assurance to all men, how? In that he has raised him, the man, that will bring judgment to the world from the dead. Glory to God. So what he's saying is, he says, listen, the judgment of God is this. These people believe that there will be a god that's one day going to come and come and judge the world. And they say, "Why are you serving this god of gold? Why are you serving this graven image?" That's not right. What God has done is he God will come in human form for he has sent a man, Jesus, to this earth. This man came as To to bring judgment to the whole earth and he has given assurance to all men by raising Jesus from the dead. So what he's saying is Jesus Christ will come and bring the righteous judgment of God which is the resurrection from the dead to the earth. And he has given assurance that God can bring his judgment unto life to us. And has given this assurance to all people. How did he give this assurance to all people? He took a man and took all people's sin and death and put it on that man. And then he raised that man from the dead. And now he says, This man that was raised from the dead with our life that's seated at the right hand of the Father will come and manifest his judgment which is in Christ to all of us. So, what Paul is saying here is you cannot identify yourself with a God that is far and distant. The only one that you can, the only thing, the only God you can identify yourself with is, is where in judgment will take place, is a man that has conquered death. So when I, where do we find our identity? We find our identity in our immortality in Jesus. That is it. Our identity, who we are, is we are the God kind. In Him we live and move and have our design and our being. This God became flesh and dwelt among us. He didn't downscale. What he basically did was he came and took man, put man in the Godhead and now he reveals to us the truth of what and who he is. And he will come back and bring forth that immortality into manifestation in us. Now, if you would look at, at, I'm not going to have Elena put this up, but verse 32 says, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked him. Now, I want to say that, I see that even towards what I'm saying. You know, the moment we talk about resurrection, the moment we talk about immortality, you're getting mocked. But that's okay. You know, it's okay. It is, we, actually, it's just something man does. But there's no power in it because the truth is that God will judge the world by the man that he has ordained. And this is the judgment that he would come. And this is the assurance that he gives in his judgment. He's raised Jesus from the dead. So our identity is in a God or in the reality that we have conquered death. That is our identity. That's what it means to have your identity in Jesus. Is that we've conquered death. And now, you might say, but Baptiste, now, if, if if our identity is in we've conquered death, um, you know, does that mean we're not dying or whatever? Remember, we're talking about the temptation of identity, or identity temptation. Because there's a temptation that is around this whole identity thing. And we're going to look at that. Now, um... I want to go on a little bit further talking about our identity. And we're going to read from Romans 10 verse 11. That's slide 4, Romans 10 verse 11. It says, For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall, um, shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same is Lord over all and rich unto all that calls upon his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And I want to just go back to verse 13 there. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, it's very important to understand what that passage says. We're talking about identity. When we talk about calling on the name of the Lord, it means something. Uh, calling on the name of the Lord doesn't just mean, help Lord. That's not just what it means. It's, there's a deeper implication which is connected to identity. And let's just look at the next slide there on what the definition is. That definition says, To put a name upon, to surname, to permit oneself to be surnamed. To permit oneself to be surnamed isn't that powerful so what he's saying is is whosoever permits himself to be surnamed or to have the family name of God on him in other words who the the one who can see himself as the god kind the one who can see himself um in who Jesus is and what he accomplished in heaven. If he can see himself in that, in the midst of not seeing that in this world, that person shall be saved from death and sin. That's what it basically says. So when we call upon the name of the Lord is when we are willing to receive the family name is when one permits yourself to be surnamed or have God's name written behind your name when you can permit that the moment you can see and that takes place when you can see a man in the Godhead when you can see a man in the Godhead so my identity is if I look at true Christian identity this is what true Christian identity is true Christian identity is to see yourself as One to whom belongs immortality in human flesh that has conquered all sin and all death, and that is your true identity, that is the reality from where you live. Now, we've got a problem, we don't see that yet in our lives, (laughs) we don't see ourselves immortal, we see ourselves still mortal. We see ourselves still in a place where we are hungry to see our immortality manifest in our lives. We are hungry to see this manifest, but we are not seeing it yet. Are we going to see it? Yes. Now, I want to say this again. If your identity, and, and, and I, I want to just be so honest and frank with you guys today, The purpose why I'm preaching this stuff and the reason why I have a web church is not to see how many followers I can get. It's not to see how many likes I can get. It's not to see how I can make a living. The reason why I preach this is because I believe with all my heart and the reason why I have this ministry and why I minister is because I believe with all my heart that what I'm preaching here is God's truth and that it belongs to you and that will encourage you and give you power and abundance of life in this world. And, I've, and secondly, I feel a compassion and a love of Christ that compels me to minister this. So, I am since my identity is in this resurrection that will take place, in this immortality that shall still take place, That will manifest. I see that as the truth. And anything that contradicts that in this world has got no voice. What it means is, I'm not going to change from this. I'm not changing this view. I'm not going to back off from preaching the immortality, um, uh, uh, of preaching immortality as our identity. We have found our identity in heaven. We have found our identity in how we're going to leave this earth and be blasted into heaven and sit there with God around the lake or something. That's our identity. I want to tell you, that is going, that will not help your heart in this world. It might help some, but it's not going to have the power that that can flow from a revelation of the immortal body that Jesus has and having that as our reality. Because the moment we have that as the reality and our identity, wherein we see, I identify myself fully with an immortal physical human being whose body... Could not see corruption. Who was glorified in every part of his body, his brain, his mind, his will, his emotions, everything. And when I see that God will come in that man, and that that is righteousness, and that He has given the assurance that I will have that, you know, when I see that, I can find that I am. I find boldness and hope and strength in this life. So. I'm not going to find, and I want to say to you, Dynamic Love Ministries, we are not, I, I believe in heaven. I believe that uh, the people that has passed away, um, that believe in the Lord, that they are in heaven. I believe that. But my identity is not in this heaven thing. My identity, I live and move and have my being in someone that is just like me, which, which is a man. Um, a God, of whom God is not ashamed, whom He has given immortal, eternal life. And that is what this whole gospel is about. I want to tell you, church, uh, we've missed it in such a great way. Our identity was in promises fulfilled, prayers being answered, and those kind of things. And, you know, even Jesus was tempted to have His identity in, the, in God answering His prayers. That is where he had his identity. That was a temptation that he had. So, so um, let me just wrap up this first part and then we're going to look at the temptation that Jesus has and then we're going to look at a practical place wherein we are tempted in, in the church. And that's going to be in Healing Signs and Wonders. I'm going to talk about that. So, wrapping up the first part. In Him we live and move and have our being. He is, and God says... Because everybody in that time believed that God's going to come and judge the world, which is still the truth. He's going to come and judge the world. But He will judge the world in righteousness and has given full assurance of man that His judgment unto life (laughs) is sure for us all in that he raised Jesus from the dead. So my identity is in a God that can raise the dead and that I am like that immortal man at the right hand of the Father and that is my identity and that is my assurance. Glory to God. That will keep you away from being tempted to find your identity in prayers being answered in this life. Glory to God. Can God answer prayer? Yes. Yes. But you cannot find your identity in it. So I'm going to read the next verse there. Um, slide 6. Jesus became hungry. Matthew 4 verse 1. Then was Jesus led up. You ready there? Okay. That's it. Matthew 4 verse 1. It says, Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted, f- uh, fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards a hungered right <clears throat> now, you know I have fasted before <laughs> I remember the times when I believed in fasting. I tell you, I would fast twice a week once a month i 'd fast three days, three times a week, not three times like a meal, three days twenty four hour days uh, man I was mu- i 'm still suffering the consequences i 'm so skinny, I tell you. Uh, and that was like 15 years ago, 20 years ago kind of a thing. Uh, I remember there would be times when w- once in four months or so I would fast uh, 10 days or 14 days. I believed in the fasting thing. So fasting, I mean there are people that fast much more than me. But one thing I know about fasting is you don't only become hungry after 40 days. You don't only become hungry after 40 days. You don't start to have a desire for food after 40 days. You have a desire for food after the first meal you skip. That's when you already become hungry for food. So I don't believe that the hunger that was that that, that is talked about here in this passage has got anything to do with with physical physically being hungry. Uh, he says he fasted for forty days. We all know you become hungry in that fast. And the Bible says, and then he was a hungered. And then the devil came and look what he tempted him with. First he tempted him with the turning of the stones into bread. And another temptation was, jump off this temple if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, have this. If you are the Son of God, have that. And one of the things he said, I will give you all these kingdoms if you bow down and worship me. It was all about, uh, and he tempted Jesus into having his identity not in the father that will vindicate him with immortality, wherein he would behold the father as an immortal being, wherein him that is busy dying, he could feel his dying in his body. After forty days you die. He could feel death creeping up on him. He could feel that 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 hunger for a proof of life in his life. And what the devil came and did was, he said to him, have life by your own works and let your identity, let your identity be in answered prayer. Let your identity be in truth applied into this life. Let your identity be in that. Let your sonship be in that. That. Let your eternal life be in that. And what the devil did was, he tempted him with a different identity he tempted him not to have his identity in th- in the immortality promised from the father but he tempted him to have his identity in answered prayer basically he, he tempted him to have his identity in the manifestation of that truth which was true in the father now that's what he tempted him with now um, that is a great thing that we need to look at in this world because if we go and we find our identity in deuteronomy 28 and in the answers of all those blessings and saying, you know because Jesus died for us, because Jesus uh, um, b- by his stripes and by all those kind of things, we take all the promise we take all the promises of the Old Testament and we say that that must be now. Now I pray that the Lord will strengthen your heart. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because this is a message of hope. Um, and, and I'm going to talk about signs, wonders, and miracles as well today. So please hear what I'm saying. If we say all those things are now, yet we find that the immortal perfection is in the judgment of Christ when He, by which He will still judge the world in His return, giving us the assurance by raising Jesus from the dead that we will be raised from the dead. Where our identity is not, do we get healed? Our identity is not, uh, do we have, when we lay hands upon somebody, is he healed? Where our identity is not, how do we prosper financially? Where our identity is not in that, but our identity is in immortality. Immortal, an immortal human that will bring immortality to my human flesh, to my body. Glory to God. You know, we've, we've seen ourselves just as spirits, I want to tell you, you are not just a spirit, you are a human, you are a human and salvation has come to man, Uh, God has come to take away sin from humans, he's come to take away humans not partaking of eternal life, he's come to take away death from humans, he didn't come to take death away from spirits, he came to save humans. That's what it's come to do. So never see yourself as just a three part being and you are one part and you've got a house and a this and a that. See yourself as a human. That is what God has declared in Jesus. He raised up a human. I'm not worshiping just a spirit. I am worshiping in spirit and I believe in a man, Jesus. I'm worshiping a man, Jesus Christ. I believe in him. He is the judge. He is the one and and He has given assurance to me. My assurance is not in my answered prayer. My assurance is in His resurrection. And when he was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father, I stopped my nonsense of having craven images where I want to copy what I think is in heaven in an image of gold or an image of this or an image of that. But my assurance is in this man that was raised from the dead and he will judge me with eternal life and give it to me. Glory to God. Once that is our assurance, once that is the final assurance and we believe that, that is our faith, if we connect it to the last Sunday's message, the Bible says the trustworthiness of this faith will give you the power to withstand the temptation and the voice of the devil. When you go through the normal things in this life, uh, wherein you find maybe your car ran out of gas, you didn't fill the thing up and maybe you broke a, a pump or you something happened or you didn't look where you were driving, you bumped into somebody, somebody maybe got injured or hurt or whatever where you see the normal things of this life, once that is your assurance, once that is your faith, you find that the Bible says that the the, the testing of our faith produces patience. In other words, the trustworthiness, that word testing means trustworthiness, the trustworthiness of this persuasion that I'm trying to to bring to your hearts by by the passion of the Holy Spirit, I want to say to you, the trustworthiness of that will will bring power to your life. It will bring, the trustworthiness of this will bring a hard-headedness and a stubbornness to you where in this world and the things of this world will have no say whatsoever. It will bring something to your life where the spirit of this truth can manifest its gifts and its it's supernatural things. The gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit powerfully in your life. Glory to God. Now, I want to um, I, I go to James 1 verse 14. James 1 verse 14. Let's read from verse 14 there. It says, But every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And then the next slide there, uh, verse 22, it says, be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself, and goes his way, and straightway forgets what kind of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty or liberation, and continues therein, and being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. In his deed. Right. So what it says is, you are tempted when you're drawn away by your own hunger. You are tempted when you are drawn away by your own hunger and when that entices you. And I've seen that so many times in my own life. I've seen that in the life of the church. We are so tempted to say we are the people of God. You know, I've I've seen it um, just in church. You know, I'm I'm not bashing church. Please know my heart is not, I'm not in rebellion against anything. But when we look at church and we see things like, you know, um, Bertie, that man is a blessed man of God because look at how God provided for his church building. He spent hundreds of millions of dollars and how he's debt free and all those kind of things. And we say, look at that. You know, that means this is a man of God. That means he's accomplishing something in the earth. That means then I'm feeling in my heart listen, the hunger to say, I am a child of God. The hunger wherein we have come to a place where we're living in the promise, where we're beholding our immortality, the immortal man in Jesus, and yet we're not seeing that immortality right now, yet we are hoping for it and we are expecting that in Christ, which is our only reference of truth. When we see that and we know His judgment shall be manifested in our lives, and yet in that time when we don't see it, when Jesus didn't see proof of His sonship while He was in the desert, You know, when I see people in that and then now they are grabbing to Old Testament definitions of blessedness, like blessed will you be in the field, blessed will you be here, blessed will you be there. And look at all those things and try and fall again for temptations. And that when you get enticed into that, it brings forth sin and sin brings forth death. And that's how I see people's lives being destroyed. Because you are tempted to find your identity in your pocketbook, man. The church is tempted to find their identity. And, and I, I look at it, my heart breaks when I see this. In how many people fall over when they lay hands? Now that's a Look at the power of God. No, no, no. The power of God to me is not revealed in how many people fall over, over or any of those kind of things. When I walk in the power of God is when I walk in the conviction of this immortality that Christ has promised me which brings forth patience in my life which I just translate as simple hard-headedness and stubbornness and deafness towards the voices of this world and the things of this world glory to God where my life is in that glory to the Lord now Bertie, does, is it not a blessing Is it not a great thing if we prosper financially? Listen, man, thank God for financial prosperity. Thank the Lord, you know, that we can have, that He provides. That is a given. It's not something we even measure with. It's a given. The Bible says, your heavenly Father knows what you have need of, and He will give those things. Some people's need is to give money to other people. Some people's need is to, they want to sponsor ministries. Other people's need is, there's certain needs in their life, and the Father provides for us. So, why do we want to measure by that? The Father provides for us. The only vindication, the only judgment that is righteous towards you is that of, the, of you conquering death. The final enemy that shall be conquered is death. Now, when we look at that temptation, that temptation is not to be a doer of the word. Now, that word doer, I think I've put it in. Oh man, did I put the word doer in there? No, I didn't. I'm sorry, I didn't put the word "doer" in the Greek there uh, to show it to you on the screen, but the word "doer" there means to be a poet. Uh, it means to um, to basically be an a, a, a actor is not the right word, a performer, to perform on a stage. So when the Bible says "Be doers of the word." It means to be a performer of the word. Now, I want to explain what James was seeing there. I'm not saying, and please hear me, I'm not saying let's act as if we are righteous. There's a different dynamic that, that he's looking at there, which is actually powerful and great. Now, when we look at this, we and we look at an actor, you can go and read up on any actor. When an actor wants to be a good actor, he needs to go and study Um, let's say he's going to play the role of um, somebody that's got um, Parkinson's disease. What he will go and do is, he will go and study a person that does have that. And he will go and do great research on what those people think, what those people feel, how they relate to other people, all those kind of things. And then he will start to uh, imagine himself, as a person like that, to the point that he becomes that person. And when he would, before he would go onto the stage, he would dress himself up, you know, let's say he's going to play an old man that has got this disease, he's going he's to dress up like an old man, he's going to look into the mirror, and he's going to see that man. And when he goes out on the stage, he should not forget what he saw. Because that is what you would call a good performer. Now, what he's coming to do here, and what, what, what James says is he says, we need to be a doer of this word wherein God cannot change. And that word is the message of our God conquering death. The Bible says that which was from the beginning, which was before time, the, as pertaining to the word of life, Came and dwelt amongst us. The Word that was before time, that dwelt amongst us. Is there a problem there? Okay. Can you? Is, is it still streaming? I'm sorry about that, guys. It's just a big thing that came up here. It seems we lost our stream. Um, you can just see if the bit rates are still going. That's all. Okay, so well, we will, I think we've lost YouTube there. Um, well, uh, let's just continue there. So what this is all about is very simple, is when we look at what Christ has done for us, when we look at the finished work there, when we look at this this identity in Christ... We behold as in a mirror, we look at this work of immortality, we look at this work of righteousness, we look at this work wherein He has come and given us just that that eternal life. And when we behold that mirror of the original identity and we have this word of life, we should be We should see how God clothed us with that message of eternal life. The way He clothes us us with that message of eternal life is very simple. The way He clothes us is like this. He clothes us with immortality and He has promised us that. As we behold that life where we've conquered death and conquered sin and we clothe ourselves in that, with that reality and that truth in our lives, we are doers of the word. Glory to God. So, in this message where there's a word of life, a word of righteousness, a word of all those things, we, the devil, will want to come and tempt you in your identity to find your identity in how God answers prayer and not in the immortal human human Jesus where you'll believe in Him, but you'll believe in the manifestation of All these things. Glory to God. We're going to go on and I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 14. I want to talk a little bit about signs, wonders and miracles here. And I'm ending off with this. Um, 1 Corinthians 14 says it this way. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about signs, wonders and miracles and putting it in its correct place. You see what we've done is we've taken this whole thing about signs, wonders and miracles. And we've pulled it out of proportion completely. And what has happened in the charismatic church is we've come to a place where everything was about signs, wonders, and the spiritual. And then when we got into grace, we got into a place where we become antagonistic towards the supernatural because, you know, oh, we shouldn't have our identity in that, so we're not going to have any miracles. And I want to just bring this in balance and show you what God says about this. Our identity is in Christ. Our identity is in the spirit in christ that will come by his spirit and judge us with eternal life and give us eternal life that is what it um what it's what will take place and then uh you know with with that in mind that spirit will have signs wonders and miracles pointing towards this true identity so identity cannot be in the miracle our identity can only be in christ but we can still and should still have this supernatural in our lives. Now I want to explain that. Uh, Let us read 1 Corinthians 14 from verse 1. It says, Follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him. How be in the spirit he speaks mysteries... But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Right. I also want us to go to the next slide. And I want to uh, look at the word. That is the word for desire, spiritual gift. That word desire there means to have warmth or feeling for or against. Right. So what he's saying here, he says, and I'm ending off with this. He's saying follow after. That would follow after means run for. Lay a hold of love. And the Bible says "Yearning in his love that he gave his son that we should not perish but have everlasting life. Follow after the passion there is for this immortal life that belongs to everybody. Follow after that and what comes from that. He says and desire, have a warmth for spiritual gifts. So, what does that mean? That is simply this. We don't find our identity in miracles, although, we've, although it warms our hearts. It warms our hearts to see sick people being healed. It warms our hearts to see the manifestation of the Spirit in people's lives. It warms our heart to see prophecy come and encourage people. It warms our heart to see the manifestation of gifts. It warms our hearts, but that's not what we follow after. Are you understanding what I'm saying? We don't follow after that, but that is our desire. And that desire, we have, we've had a, a desire as in, we must desire that. I think the best way to say that in its context is, never let your heart be cold towards miracles. Let it still be, let it still have a place in your heart where it warms your heart to see somebody heal from cancer, to see somebody provided for supernaturally, to see a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, encouragement, to see certain gifts manifest. Let it be heartwarming to you. Let that be something that is nice. But never let that be what you follow after. Never let let that be what you run to grab a hold of. What we run to grab a hold of is that which He grabbed a hold of us for. And God didn't grab a hold of you for the purpose of doing miracles in the earth. God grabbed a hold of you for the purpose of making you immortal in your body. Taking dust and glorifying it with immortality. Saving it from death. That is why He grabbed a hold of you. So I want to say to you, I have in my life at this Passion you know, always to pray for the sick and that. And then there came a time when, when I saw how hurt came to the church through signs, wonders, and miracles because of this identity thing which was in miracles. And I have prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, help me to see where should the supernatural be and what place should it have in our hearts. And I want to say this to you. Never again will miracles be something that tempts me into having my identity in the supernatural. Because what the Lord has revealed to me is, it can warm your heart to see a miracle, glory to God. But that's what you chase after. What we grab a hold of, and where our identity is, is in the immortal Jesus, that will come and manifest His life in us. Glory to God. Now, our heart is warm towards miracles. Because my heart is warm towards miracles, and my heart is warm towards gifts, I would love to pray for the sick today. I would like to see people being healed. I would love you, you guys minister to one another from the platform where that doesn't have any voice to us anymore. It's just something that's beautiful, that's heartwarming, that we embrace, that we are open for, which has got a warm welcome in our hearts, but it's not an end goal. Glory to God. Amen. I trust that this message has blessed you. Unfortunately, we've lost YouTube. Um, you know, and this just went out on, on Facebook. So I will download it and uh, from Facebook. It's the other way around. Only YouTube. So it's on YouTube. Glory to God. Because that's where it's saved. So, um, so uh, 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 sorry for the guys that lost it on Facebook there. But on YouTube, um, you know, you can still watch this. Glory to God that, that it was saved there. I want this message to be watched again and again. Guys, just go and watch this. Let it touch your heart. Let it wash your heart. Let the truth of this... Flood your heart in such a great way that you can say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for this truth. That my heart can be warmed towards miracles where I don't have to be afraid of miracles anymore because I used to find my identity in it, but now I find my, you know, and now I'm actually afraid of it. No, it can be heartwarming, but since my identity is in the immortal human Jesus identify with that life and that is my future Um, and I know that spirit will bring forth these things my heart is warmly welcomes this and that's it glory to God and as the spirit brings forth certain certain things and as we are not antagonistic towards these things and we feel it we can just walk in it openly easily because it's not an identity thing anymore and let nobody Ever come with anything to you like. You know, the apostles walked in signs one wonders and miracles. So if you've got a word, God will confirm His word with signs one wonders and miracles. So better go and do miracles. Just say, Satan, get behind me. You know, and just look at what Christ has done. And look at His finished work. And walk as the Spirit wills in your heart as pertaining to the supernatural. Glory to God. I would like to pray for the sick right now. And just, my heart is warm towards whatever the Holy Spirit wants to speak through me. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that I can stretch forth my hand and I can just, in the Spirit, in what you've done, in this warm welcome for the supernatural and for for, for your things, without it having a voice, without it having a temptation of identity or anything anymore where the voice of satan was removed from the supernatural and miracles and all of that into a place where it can just warm our hearts because of something that you do i stretch forth my hand and i declare healing over cancer i declare healing over sickness and disease and whatever these people are going through i thank you lord that you stretch forth your hand through science wonders and miracles and that we can preach your word boldly in the mighty name of jesus Thank you for that, Father. I also thank you that you come and you help people. Um, I, I just feel in my heart, you know, as I pray, I just feel to say that there are some folk here, you've got a, uh, um, it. it it's, it's finances towards um, a school or a study or something, that you've, everything went well, but there's some money that's still outstanding there. Uh, I, I just prophetically just want to encourage you and say to you, uh, don't let that have a voice to you. Don't let that be a voice. It shall be provided anyway. Although it looks as if it will not be, it's not going to be, you're not going to lose that. It's going to come. The Lord will provide for you. Glory to God. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father. I just can just pray by your Holy Spirit over the minds of people. They can understand the dimensions of your love. That they can be flooded with your peace. And I want everyone watching now, Just just allow... You know, that that peace that's already rising up in your heart, just let it flood your heart. Let it flood your heart right now. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Father, for the power of the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, that you've removed the voice of temptation from miracles and signs and wonders, wherein we can have our identity in you. Thank you for bringing truth to the church, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> guys i want to thank you so much for watching what a blessing to just uh share my life with you and just share what god has shared with me with you guys thank you for this church family thank you for everybody that just um you know sponsors this ministry and just whose heart is for this ministry and and the, the spreading of this gospel you are loved you are cared for what a blessing to minister to you i'll see you guys again next week thank you for all your love and God bless.